Fred Van Vliet is the latest NBA point guard to be available on the market as he declined his player option today. Somebody the Suns have been linked to for a very long time on today's episode of Locked On Suns. How do they get Fred? And what does that signal about the rest of their offseason approach if they do pursue him? We'll talk about it all on today's episode of Locked On Suns. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Suns. Your first listen here on this Tuesday, maybe the NBA Finals are done, officially off-season time by the time you listen to this. Uh, my, I have some money hoping that it is. Thank you for finding us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want shows every single day throughout the rest of the off-season and into next season and beyond, hit follow or subscribe. Wherever you're finding us, we're free. We're here for you every single day, so be coming every day or, and get that show in your feed. Brandon Duenas is joining us as he does every single week. He is a writer at Bright Side of the Sun and obviously a co-host of this show once per week. Delayed by one day, but that's fine. The news came right on time for us. Brandon Fred Van Vliet, predictably, although not, I don't think, a lock, declining his player option for about $23 million. There's been a bunch of uncertainty around him dating back even to the deadline when they ended up keeping him. And then again, with this new contract, there's still a possibility he could go back to Toronto on a longer bigger contract so that's not out of the realm of possibility but he's somebody we know the Suns were targeting prior to the Durant trade with maybe a Chris Paul deal or an Aiton deal we don't really know for sure because obviously they went ahead and got Kevin Durant but how do you like Van Vliet as an addition to this team considering all the possibilities of how they could get him and how he might fit with Durant and Booker on this version of the team so I love the fit. Honestly, I'm still on the the Van Fleet train. I know some people have cooled on that a little bit as time has gone on, but I, I love the fit because he can play it on, on, on and off the ball, which is huge when you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And uh, he's, he's a high volume three point shooter that can hit tough shots. And I think that's exactly what you need in terms of just looking at strictly at a Booker Van Fleet backcourt. Like those two guys, they're tough shot makers. They're, they're gamers. Like they're just, they're, they're gritty players. He fits into like the Vogel system. Obviously he's an undersized guard and there's some defensive limitations, but uh, make no mistake that dude fights on defense. Like he's kind of got that Chris Paul gene where he's, you know, very good at stripping the ball from, from bigger guys and, and, you know, battling through screens, stuff like that. Um, Obviously it it would limit the defensive upside a little bit, but I think that trade-off offensively, uh, is massive, especially with the defensive attention that we know Booker and Durant will get. So having a third option like Van Fleet that can score off the dribble and, and hit wide open shots, which he's going to get a lot of playing next to those two, to me, it's a great fit. Uh, it's about now. It's about uh, like you mentioned, there's different paths to get it done. So that's that's the reality of the situation. Is once uh, you start factoring that in, it gets a little difficult in some ways and, and can restrict you in, in other areas. But uh, I love the fit. Yeah. So defensively I think that's an interesting thought process on your part so and I I think that I agree I actually think I'd be even less worried about the the Vogel side of it the fit in what Vogel does because 
I kind of think that Van Vliet's strengths as a defender, which is really just getting through screens, being physical, mm-hmm. um, active hands, like you mentioned, he's had a steal rate over 2% his whole career, which is a, a nice mark for him. Yep. That's kind of what you want if you're trying to blockade the rim, right? Like, mm-hmm. you want somebody who's going to fight through a screen. You maybe have your big man in drop or whatever the big man's doing, and then you collapse from there. And that's just in the pick and roll. There's a million other ways to, you know, approach a game plan. But, like, you don't really need to have players who can switch if you're playing under Frank Vogel. I mean, he it's not that he would never mm-hmm. do that, but that hasn't really been his M.O. So I actually think Van Vliet is pretty well equipped for that. Offensively, people made a lot of his shot falling off last year. I tend to think like three-point shooting, you know, guys are going to have down seasons. And even for him, a down season was still, I think, 34 35%. So it's like, uh, you know, not the end of the world. He shot 35% on catch and shoot, 34% on pull-up threes. Uh, I'm pulling up his numbers from last season just to compare. But to me, he's a player that, next to Booker, next to Duran is somebody who can have the ball in his hands and you feel comfortable, but can also just spot the space, the floor spot up and you feel comfortable with that too. So I think he is a great fit. Um, yeah, last year he was the same number for pull-ups and just worse catch and shoot. You know, I, I think you could say that the shots weren't as open. The offense wasn't as full, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to panic off of one down season. He's only 29 from a shooting standpoint. Um, so let's talk about a little bit of what it would look like to get him because I think, uh, I've seen, uh, people throwing out this, just all sorts of craziness with the sun's off season. And I just try to hammer home without being like the, the gambo reaper, uh, of just like, it's not like fairy tale off season right now. Like it's going to, the margins are very thin and, and the way you're going to get stuff done is going to be a lot of luck and a lot of strategy and a lot of smart moves. You're not just going to have somebody land into your lap. You don't have the trade flexibility. You don't have cap space, none of that. So it would have to probably be a DeAndre Ayton trade, Brandon. Um, Chris Paul, maybe, but I don't really think a trade is very likely with him at this point in time. Based on everything that, that happened last week, there's not other salaries besides Ayton. And so you're really looking at that. Does that feel palatable to you to give up a center for a point guard, to give up a young guy for an older guy, to give up a guy under contract for a guy who now only has one year left. I mean, maybe you could extend him from there. That's a possibility, but you wouldn't know that for sure until he signs on the dotted line. There's a lot of weirdness about a trade structured that way. So would you do that if you're James Jones? Yeah, I would. And it's obviously there has to be a plan in place for who that replacement at center is going to be. And I'm sure they're already on it. It's it's a year-round job in terms of uh, if, if this happens, we have this as our contingency plan. If, if that happens, we have this. So I think at this point they they know what types of centers uh, and they've probably already started going over it with Vogel, just in terms of if they have to move on f- from Deandre uh, who they'd replace him with. So to me, you know, Aiden's a no brainer in terms of he would be the guy that Toronto is probably more interested in too, just because uh, they like, you know, long dudes that can, you know, theoretically, uh, disrupt defensively. And we've seen what DeAndre can do when he's on. So I think they could view him as someone that they could kind of build around that young core and uh, hopefully take that next step. But just and they've uh, been overall, linked to him in the past, right? So yeah, exactly. He's it's, it's not like it's coming out of nowhere with, for, for both players. So Van Fleet yeah. to Phoenix and Nate into Toronto. So this has kind of been something I feel like that's been 
little bit of back and forth for for some time now. So if it goes down, it shouldn't come as a shock to anyone. Um, but yeah. You know what the weirdest thing about all of this is to me that I just can't wrap my head around? I mean, we're doing on the Just Basketball show tonight like a big Raptors offseason thing now that they hired a head coach. Shout out to Darko Ryakovich, who is a, a former Suns assistant and now with Van Vliet opting in. It was, I don't, I think we just kind of like, oh, it's a reunion. They need to get a more stable center rotation, whatever. But the fact that they traded a first-round pick for Jakob Pertl at the deadline as he's about to hit free agency, I think that was insane in hindsight. And it really complicates this because Pertl's not old, but he's also not really going to get better. I think he is what he is. Um, and so you're facing down this offseason if you're the Raptors where all of a sudden you're maybe going to reset a part of your team if you move on from Van Vliet. We know Ananobi's going to have guys, uh, teams trying to get him. Siakam could be on the move with one year left on his deal. And they just traded a first-round pick for a guy that just suddenly may not even fit in their future. And it obviously relates to how they would view Aiton. Do they think Pirtle is somebody they want to re-sign long-term? Or is that was that just like an old-fashioned expiring contract type of trade that the NBA just doesn't really do anymore that the Raptors went ahead and did? Um, it's, it's pretty fascinating. But um, Toronto has the rest of the salaries to make this work too. They could go high mm-hmm. on the high end and try to send back Chris Boucher and, and send the Suns a little more salary, or they could have either Otto Porter or Thaddeus Young slide in to round that out and, and get the salaries in the right range to make an eight and trade work. So it's possible. It's doable. Like you said, it's been connected on both ends. I think we both like the fit, but it's easier said than done. And so the other kind of big picture way that I want to approach this, Brandon, is to Zoom out a little bit, because as you mentioned, they would have to have a plan for the backup center. If they're going to do something like this, where they trade one position for another and all the other domino effects that result from that, you're talking about basically redoing the roster from top to bottom. So for the rest of the show, we're going to look at how it would look if they did that, and then how it would look if they maybe took a little bit of a more conservative approach, re-signed a few guys, kept a few guys, and you know built a little more slowly around Booker and Durant. We'll do that after a quick break. First, today's show brought to you by eBay Motors. Uh, I've recently bought a wheel cover from eBay Motors. I'll tell you about that in a second. But for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same with your vehicle. No matter what you have, every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With their eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to their My Garage function in your account and look for the green check next to each part to know whether it will fit or get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, so just to reiterate what you were saying, Brandon, if they were to do a trade like that, let's say it's Thad Young who is um, partially guaranteed for $1 million. Let's say it's Van Vliet and Young for Aiton pretty much straight up. And they cut Thaddeus Young. They extend Fred Van Vliet. That's their point guard of the future around next to Booker and Durant. They move on from... Chris Paul and one of, one of the myriad ways that they could do that, but not a trade, either waving him or stretching him. 
They don't bring him back on the minimum. They don't do any of that. They're looking at having the mid-level exception, most likely in that case, and having their point guard. So you're probably talking about re-signing a Brooke Lopez or a Mason Plumlee with some part of the mid-level exception, whatever. I mean, you can tell me if you like a different target there. Nas Reed, I guess, maybe could be a potential. But you're really looking at everything but Booker and Durant being different. Do you, do you feel extreme enough about this roster, Brandon, to think that that is just like where they should be headed no matter what? Because I think a lot of Suns fans are looking at this, and if, if the Suns brought back even one of Aiton and Paul, let alone some of the other guys, Shamit, Payne, etc., they would feel like James Jones failed. Where do you stand on that? So it just goes back to the whole, what are you going to get back for DeAndre Aiton thing? And if the trade is worth moving him, then, then I'm in that camp of, Yes, let's blow this thing up. Um, obviously, Chris Paul, that situation, I'd be open to welcoming him back on a, a vet min if they go that route and they don't get a point guard in an Aiden trade. Like, say, they're there to get a wing or even another big um, or some type of separate deal. But yeah. looking at this Van Fleet situation specific, more specifically, uh, you know, I think if you go and get Van Fleet, like you mentioned, Chris Paul's likely gone. I don't think he's going to accept a six man role um, on a vet min to come here, but I've seen crazier things in the NBA. So you you really never know. Um, But overall, I think it's for me, like, I I just think the Aiton thing needs to die. Like, I'm just, it's, it's nothing to do with him. I still think he's going to, he'll have a good career like somewhere else. And it's, it's going to probably frustrate Suns fans when he puts up. You can't say you want something to die and then say no offense. The word die. (laughs) It just, it, it is offensive. It's the turmoil that comes with it, right? Yeah, so it's just yeah. a distraction. I feel like, like let's say they, they keep DeAndre and, and then this whole, you know, leading up to the next trade deadline, it's a whole cycle all over again. Like, are they going to keep him? Or are they going to trade him? For me, it's it's like, I think it's best for both parties to just move on and let him go uh, develop somewhere else where he's, he's A, wanted um, in his eyes and, and B, the Suns get something of value where they can kind of restart and have a whole season to develop that chemistry because – if you're looking at another midseason trade with DeAndre and they they go that route and it kind of blows up a little bit, then you're you're looking at the same thing we had last season where you're trying to develop chemistry on the fly midway through the season. So I'd rather just go to a training camp with like the bulk of your team kind of established and then use a trade deadline to identify weaknesses and fill out the the gaps in the roster. So for me, it's just like I just don't want to go through another trade deadline with what, what are they going to do with DeAndre? And I'd, I'd rather just just bite the bullet. Let's move on and uh, go from there. So on the offseason, kind of like full-on every single move show that I did, the best-case scenario, I I had Rozier coming back. The the, the eight and trade that I did was Charlotte for Rozier, Caleb Martin, uh, Cody Martin, sorry, and uh, a future first. And I think Kellen Olsen came to the same conclusion in his big offseason prediction or like kind of preview piece today. Um, he, he did the 34th pick this year, whatever, same thing. Um, and Martin and Rogier. So that's another one. Are there any besides Van Vliet and Rogier that are guard centered trades that you think are realistic for Aiton? Cause we did a few, uh, to start out the off season, you and I, and I think it was like Dallas was one Chicago was one. Neither of those are really guard centered. Um, necessarily, although Lonzo's money probably has to come back in the Bulls deal, but he's not going to be playing for you. So um, are there any other guard-related trades that you think would be worth talking about here that would put the Suns in a similar situation as the Van Vliet deal? 
Not really, uh, in terms of like at least like the guard being the focal point of the trade. But if you look at the Indiana deal with Miles Turner and TJ McConnell, for example, or like mm. you know McConnell's not the the prize of that package, but you're still getting a guard back that can that can play. Uh, same with Alex Caruso over in Chicago, like you mentioned, we talked about that. And yeah. Vucevic just doesn't really seem like a guy that Vogel would target and or the Suns should go after. So if they go well, to Pat Williams route, yeah, exactly. So, like- so that'd have to be a sign and trade. And mm-hmm. I don't think the Suns want to commit a ton of money to to him. Vogel actually coached him back in Orlando when they were terrible. So I don't, I just don't see that being a, a fit. Okay, that but- Indiana trade. Let's let's freeze on that one for mm-hmm. a second. Um, is is Miles Turner just better than DeAndre Ayton? I think at this point you can make a case for it based off the DeAndre and we saw in the playoffs. Yes. But based off of, it just depends on which DeAndre and we're talking about here. So, yeah. uh, but I guess I, I just I look Turner's, at miles Turner and it's like this upcoming season, he's making 21. The next year he's making 19. They made a really good kind of smart yeah. cap move with what they did with his contract by giving him a bunch more money this season when they didn't really need to spend it anywhere else. And then actually, uh, really like I would even say under market the next two years and Aiton makes, you know, 35 during that time. So it's kind of, I just don't really see that one happening. I, I, I'm not saying, you know, that was like your idea. It's obviously been out there, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's puzzling to me. What about this one uh, as a last sort of possibility there? Um, something centered on CJ McCollum with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. The case would be he's older. Um, the contract, McCollum's contract, actually, I, I believe... Uh, no, it's the same length, so basically chalk there. Um, but it gives them a younger, more athletic big man option that could play next to Zion for the remainder of his career versus like Valanchunas, who's on an expiring now, Nance, who's not really a starting center necessarily, and even he only has a couple more years left. So I like, I've always liked Aiton in New Orleans. I just don't always feel like there's a really a realistic trade path, but that was one that came to mind. Well, yeah, especially today with that news that dropped that they could be dealing one of, I mean, speculation, obviously, but like one of Ingram or Zion could be involved in a trade for mm-hmm. that uh, to try to acquire Scoot. So if they really try to rebuild their whole um, outlook in their franchise direction, then trading McCollum could make some sense. So that, that's an interesting angle. Um, I haven't really thought about that too much. I'm not sure I love it, but it's I would take McCollum over like Rogier. So, I mean, it's, yeah, uh, I guess at that it's point, so levels to it. Uh, um, all right. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So I think that there's probably more trades that do center on guards, even as we talked through those again. Um, but either way, um, are there big men that you think get the job done if the Suns did move off of DeAndre Ayton and they didn't get back a center in a trade. So let's say the Miles Turner thing is not realistic. Let's say, you know, they're not getting Wendell Carter. They're not getting, I mean, Yusuf Nurkic, even if they got him, that's not a starting caliber center on a championship team. So that doesn't count for me. Um, They don't get Nance back or Valanchunas back in a Pelicans trade. All these different things. Let's say that they just end up with wings and guards and forwards from an Ayton trade. They don't have Chris Paul back. Let's imagine that world. I think a lot of the speculation around the Suns this offseason when people go down that rabbit hole is you end up in a situation where you're either like starting Jock Landale or you're just like praying to God that one of the older veteran centers takes your money. Um, is there, 
Does that feel realistic and reasonable to you? Because we know that James Jones in the past has made no secret that he wants to spend less money on the center spot. Do you think it's championship caliber roster can go into next season saying like Mason Plumley at the mid-level exception is our, is our starting center and our backup is, you know, some combination of Jock, Biombo, and, and KD? So ideally you hope it's not uh, Bismack and Jock are your, your two main pieces at center. Uh, I do like Brooke Lopez as a name that's floated around. I think he'd, he'd be a great fit, but he's going to have a lot of suitors. A lot of teams are yeah. thinking the same thing as the Suns. So then at that point, the, the list really starts to shrink as far as free agents that make sense and could start, um, you know, that you could go after Plumlee. There's, there's a few other guys that sort of fit that mold. Uh, but the, the beauty of center is you could at the trade deadline, you could always find a team, you know, a bad team or it's someone that wants value, you know, maybe a free agent pending free agency um, that's looking to deal center. And you could, you could scoop someone up that's starting caliber a lot easier than I think you can most other positions. So that's, that's the one thing. If you do lean into like going with the guards and wings, which I'd be fine with uh, as long as it's the right fits and they're, they're really going all in on that. Then I think you can survive without having a top tier center. Um, but in Vogel's system at the same time, you want someone that can get the job done and anchor the defense. So that, that's a huge part of what makes uh, his defense is so successful. So it's kind of a double-edged sword where yes, you could find, cheaper centers and they're they're easier to find um but right now looking at the list it's, it, it doesn't feel that way so it's kind yeah. of like a, a weird a catch 22 it feels like if we're kind of talking about the different paths that the sun's offseason could go down i think and this like you said is true i'm sure a lot of fans of other teams sitting doing a podcast or talking to their buddies about whatever offseason things might happen are saying the same thing but it's especially true for the Suns with how much they have up in the air and the fact that one of their key question mark guys is a center if they got Brooke Lopez that would go a long way toward feeling like a more a, a bigger reset this offseason worked out like if you were if you were to just oh, yeah. tell me right now the Suns are going to get Brooke Lopez at the mid-level then I'd be like, well, damn, like a lot more can happen, right? Like a lot, I think you can be yep. a little more risky. You can be a little more aggressive. And like, it might sound crazy to be like off in imagine, imagination land saying something like that. But look, it's the NBA. The, James Jones probably has some kind of idea if Brooke Lopez would come here, you know, like I already yeah. right now on June 12th. Let, let me ask you this. If compared to heading into next season, if they have Van Fleet and Brooke Lopez instead of Chris Paul and DeAndre, and how are you feeling? I, I think it's, I mean, you, you don't get younger I, all that much because Brooke is still old, but you do get younger because he's 35 and, and Chris is 38. And then, you know, I guess Aiton to Van Vliet, maybe it evens out. Um, I just think Brooke is, is really ideal for a lot of the same reasons that Van Vliet is because he can do, mm. he can do different things. And I think he's not too like stubborn to have to play one role. So, like, you could imagine yeah. Book having the ball in his hands and Van Vliet being okay with that. You could imagine Brook only playing 20 minutes a game being okay with that. And I think that's – not that Aiton and Chris aren't, but I think both of them have some stubbornness to them. And I think Lopez and, and Van Vliet might not. So, that appeals to me. Both of those guys can really shoot it, whereas Chris isn't really a willing spot-up shooter and Aiton doesn't do that at all. So, if you're talking about it from a floor spacing standpoint, I think that's good. But – we're in we're in dreamland. I mean, what what odds would you yeah. put that being like happening? Five percent, two percent, one percent. 
it's like six point eight nine seven percent. No, it's it's pretty slim, but I feel like that is one of the best case scenarios. That's both realistic and just fits with what the team really needs. Like I, I would love to see Van Fleet play with the pressure off of him in terms of the defense's focus. Uh, we already see Booker what Durant did for him opening him up. So then you kind of like t- multiply that by two with uh, Van Fleet. He's going to be an afterthought like for, for other teams, which is a scary thought in terms of in Toronto at times, he was their only shot creator. Uh, they, they had a lot of talent there, but it was a lot of more uh, defensive minded players that couldn't yeah. really, that could dribble, but couldn't really dribble and could pass, but couldn't really pass. It was just kind of a weird offensive system that really, uh, I don't think optimizes Van Fleet. So that's the, that's the main intrigue to me is like Booker and Van Fleet alone are one of the best backcourts in the league. And we're not even talking about Durant. So that's, uh, you factor that in. It's, that's a scary big three right there. So to me, I, I think that's a best case scenario. Probably pretty unlikely, though. All right, so let's talk about a version of, of this offseason where the Suns don't get that lucky. They don't feel like they can really flip everything over that effectively. So they kind of split the difference. And there's two, obviously, Aiton versus Paul. You could keep one or the other. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about other guys on this roster that might be worth keeping and a little bit of a middle ground. Next, first today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during NBA free agency. That's right. There's betting on free agency, and FanDuel is the place for it. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action, although we are uh, maybe going to be at the end of that by the time you hear this, and the free agency action as well as... um, NBA championship odds for next season. The Suns are four in fourth place, and I think it's a little... I know you have to split it between East and West, but they're behind the Bucks and the Celtics. Uh, I feel like going into next season, you could make a, a legit case that the two best teams in the league this year, in the postseason this year, were Phoenix and Denver. You know, I'm not... You know, maybe I'm a homer, but I think you could at least make that case. And they're not the top two, so maybe you feel pretty good about those Suns' odds, although there's a lot up to be uh, in the air to be determined. But either way, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. $2,500. Throw some money on some different stuff. Have some fun with it. It is courtesy of FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Brandon, so let's close things out here. Um talk through a lot of possibilities already so there might be fewer options in this version of events than what we were talking about before but i think personally the most likely path that i see of a middle ground for the suns is keeping deandre ayton over keeping chris paul but uh mostly because the way to keep chris paul would be most likely to waive him and bring him back on the minimum if you try to then replace certain losses that you might have. You don't have that mid-level exception to spend, and so it just gets harder. The cleanest way is to stretch Chris Paul, get the mid-level, and then maybe just keep DeAndre Ayton if the trade doesn't work out. Um, I guess that version doesn't sound terrible. It's kind of the one that I'm braced for, personally. But in that world... The thing that does worry me is just like we did with the center spot in the last segment, I just don't really know what the mid-level exception option is at guard to replace Chris Paul if you just stretch him and he goes to the Lakers. 
it's pretty thin. I mean, you could find some role players that are sort of pseudo point guards, but not really point guards, more like off ball threats. Like you look at the Miami guys. Uh, there's some, there's some interesting names out there, but there's no one that really pops where it's like, this is a clean fit if you go that route. So there's definitely more risk attached. I agree. Um, I, I think just the overall, just trading one of the two feels like it gives you the more, most flexibility in terms of uh, what you could potentially bring back as opposed to free agency. You know what so you're supposed to do if you want to trade somebody though, is to not let it leak that you might cut them a week, uh, a month before free agency start. Like, I just don't know what the hell they were doing with that. To be honest with you, I think that was a big mistake. I, I understand like there's, mm. I don't know how you see it because we haven't talked about it, but like to me, it's like it, it's a little bit of a lose lose from a GM standpoint because it's like I think if you're giving James Jones the benefit of the doubt, you're like, well, he just wanted to sit down and meet with his player and level set with him ahead of free agency. Mm. What's wrong with that? Maybe it's the only time they had to meet with him. You know, you never know. Guys are busy. Chris Paul has a million things on his plate. Maybe it was just like, hey, early June is the best time. Let's do it then. Okay. And then it gets out and then somebody's mad and then all your leverage is lost and all that stuff. Like I, I think there's a version where it was just like logistical and kind of got screwed up, but either way, uh, they really messed themselves up there. If they're not able to get a trade for Chris Paul, which I'm kind of just operating under the assumption that that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. And I, I think there's zero shot that came from the Suns to hands. That's why all those other reports yeah, came yeah. out after. I think that, that probably just, like you said, it could have just been like a, like one of Chris Paul's representatives got angry after a discussion that they had or something like that, or just wanted to use it as leverage or whatever, but that's just more speculation. No, no one really knows exactly how it went down, but it's, that's what makes the off season, the off season. There's always going to be smoke screens and reports coming from different directions with different intentions. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to find a, a true trade partner for Chris Paul that brings you anything of value. Kind of uh, feels like the most likely trade, type of trade partner just I don't know I don't think I have a specific team in mind because I would just be guessing but a team that wants him but that he probably doesn't want to go to just being like screw it we're gonna swoop in so that the Lakers yeah Spurs maybe um like a team that doesn't want him to end up with the Lakers or Clippers or wherever he would choose to sign and they have some stuff that they're willing to throw back and they just say, whatever, like, we'll just, we'll just do it. And we want him badly enough. So be it. Um, uh, it could have been a Clippers leak. I mean, with some of those rumors earlier this off season, I yeah. wouldn't rule that them out as a trade partner entirely. Yeah. So I think the easiest way, if you're going to imagine a world where the Suns do uh, that, basically what I just laid out, which is stretch Chris Paul to get the access to the mid-level, Keep DeAndre Ayton. Don't trade him because there's not a good enough deal. There's not a good enough deal for Paul, so you kind of split the difference. Is to treat Devin Booker as your primary ball handler. And I talked about this a little bit last week um, because that that opens up a lot more guys that I think are more kind of desirable free agent targets who you might actually be able to get on a mid-level. And I listed some of them last week. I don't know if anybody comes to mind when I put it that way to you, but I even think from a Suns free agent standpoint, that makes some of the guys uh, better candidates to come back. Um, maybe they come back either way. I guess I, it's not a huge difference, but like I personally would be prioritizing a Kogi and Baisley pretty heavily. But I even think you could convince me Tory Craig would be reasonable to bring back, TJ Warren, if all of these guys are in maybe smaller roles, especially Craig. Um, I don't think you want him to be like starting a do or die playoff for game for you again. Cause you've already seen how that goes, but 
those four wings, I think if they came back, I would be totally fine with that. Craig, Warren, Okogie, and Baisley. Like, those are guys I could see getting better in year two, and, and I think they really fit with Booker and Durant. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think especially, like you said, just the smaller role, like role part where they're more suited to be off the bench in terms of, like, that, that's what their plan's going to be heading into it, whereas Monty kind of – we saw what he did with his rotations, and they're a little bit all over the place in the playoffs, and he kind of waited too late for certain adjustments, so – with him gone, I think that makes it more likely someone like a TJ Warren or Tory Craig would come back with how inconsistent their roles were. I don't know how likely it is that both of those guys would come back just because I feel like once one of them signs, they're going to kind of see the writing on the wall in terms of minutes and stuff. Uh, yeah. Minutes. So I, I could see one of those two coming back. And then whoever's signed first, obviously, the second guy is probably going to dip somewhere else. Um, what do you Kogi, think about Baisley? Baisley is interesting. I, I like that trade just in terms of because I thought there I thought he was going to play more honestly I was a little shocked that he didn't but uh, for a young player to like learn a system and get thrown into it like uh, and with how stubborn Monty can be sometimes I feel like it, he never really had a shot it was more like the idea of him was fun and it still is I, I still think there's something there I'm not sure what it is but um, I wouldn't mind bringing him back as like one of the the last guy like you know, one of the 13th or 14th roster spots, like, why not? He just turned 23, so he's still pretty young, and he didn't really play basketball the year between high school and and college, so, or, and the NBA, so it's like, you just think how how few minutes of, like, high-level competitive basketball he's really played in his life, you know, and he, and just with the athleticism and everything else, is one of those guys who was really, really highly rated as a as a high school player and then you know just from there hasn't really taken a, a traditional route he's the guy people remember to had the internship that was set up by clutch with new balance and everything and then you know um didn't play a ton in oklahoma city didn't play a ton last year etc i just think it's worth taking a risk on if you can get him for a reasonable salary Kogi's similar i think there's still more there as he gets more time and trust from a coaching staff i think he's somebody who would probably be pretty well liked by Frank Vogel, I would have to imagine. Um, this one I haven't talked about at all, but it's just interesting. Do you think that they would or should, let's say should, um, bring back Ish Wainwright? He has a team option. I don't think it matters that much, but I just he's like one of the only guys I haven't talked about. So I don't know if you if if you have thoughts. Ish Wainwright, yeah, I mean, kind of the same boat as Baisley. Like, sure, if he's like one of the last guys on your like filling out the very back end of your bench, I'd be fine with it, just because he's a he seems like a, a great like locker room guy. He's got that toughness and he knows the system or, I mean, the system's gone at this point, but he, he knows, he knows uh, how to play off book at least at the very least. And uh, you know, I wouldn't really like lose sleep if they lost him or anything, but I'd, why not at this point? Like I, I'd be fine with him in, in Baisley just as that kind of insurance, like wing depth slash bigs, whatever you want to call them. Just, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd be for it. I kind of think with Wainwright, it's like, when he first got here, it was like, well, you never know. You know, he's not really played in the NBA. Might as well see it through. I mean, I was advocating for him to get brought back and given a real deal and all that stuff. Like, I'm not trying to pretend like I knew this the whole time. But at a certain point, it's like, well, you know, he's taken 232 NBA threes now. He's made 33% of them. He got legitimate rotation time at various points last year. It's like he's about to turn 29 years old. If it was going to happen, I think it would have happened this past year. Monty clearly trusted him. He got, he got, you know, 
trust and legitimate opportunities and he just looks like a fringe NBA player, which is what we thought he was. So that's mm-hmm. fine. It's not like I'm, you know, slaughtering the dude. He's making the minimum. The team option is for the minimum. It's not like it's a huge endeavor or a like investment to, to go out and get him back. But um, I think there's some Suns fans that were still like, well, maybe that guy. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, so yeah, no, not not gonna make any headlines or anything if it goes one or the other. Like, but if he's there, like, cool. We'll Seems like he likes Phoenix. He's he's at Mercury Games yeah. and all that stuff. So um, no big mm. deal if he went, went to Rattler's game as well. Oh yeah, so that was cool. There you go. Yeah, he, he just <laughs> sports fan, I guess. Um, I would recommend yeah. some D backs games too, uh, but maybe he yeah. has a baseball affiliation. Um, they're the team to to go see right now. It feels like, and they're there every night. Just some yeah. some un, uh, unpaid for advice for Ishwain right how to spend his evenings <laughs> to close out the show. That'll wrap us up though, guys. No episode tomorrow. Hoping to get. Um, I have a few in my back pocket. Aaron Edges will be here to close out the week as well as he always is. So hit follow, hit subscribe, become an everydayer, get this show in your feed, all the Suns news analysis and info you could possibly want every single day. In the meantime, check out Locked On Sports today. They'll get you caught up with everything going on around the whole world of sports. That show is available on all podcast platforms as well. And I will catch you guys on Wednesday.